Last week, we entered into a new chapter, but it's still the same sermon. Jesus hasn't changed anything. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is still on this mountain speaking to his followers and those who are listening nearby as he's talking about ways that his followers should live. And last week, as we entered into this new chapter, there, t- there tends to be a shift that as Jesus has been talking a lot about these heart issues in chapter 5, we get into chapter 6, which seems to be dealing with, well, with religious duties. But I would call them more than just religious duties. I would call these things spiritual disciplines. You see, when Jesus is talking about giving, he's talking about praying, he's talking about fasting, spiritual disciplines go beyond just those three things. Giving, praying, studying scripture, memorizing scripture, praising, singing songs, fasting. These are all spiritual disciplines. I just want a quick note. Spiritual disciplines do not earn brownie points with God. They're not this thing that you do so that God is impressed with you or God loves you more. Spiritual disciplines are are not about that. They don't earn salvation. God doesn't come closer to you when you do these things, nor does God drift away from you if you don't do these things. He is faithful in all things, all right? He is faithful, and he's right there with us every step of the way. But spiritual disciplines serve a purpose in in our lives and we're going to talk a little bit more about that see i believe that jesus is calling us to these things it's because when he says things like when you give and when you pray and when you fast he doesn't say if you give or if you pray or if you fast He is expecting his followers to do these things. But because we are humans and we like to mess things up a lot, he gives guidance in these things and kind of warnings to make sure that we don't do these things for the wrong reasons. As we talked about last week, hypocrites can be not just the people that say one thing and do another, but you can can do the right things for the wrong reasons. And Jesus says to check your heart and your motives. Last week we talked about giving, and today we talk about prayer. Spiritual discipline of giving is is one of those things that there's a lot of reasons why we would do it. Some of them could include that you don't get attached to things, but also that you you understand fully that everything that you receive, you receive from God. And so if everything is, comes from him and it is his, then we should have no, no problem giving it to someone else because we know that all things come from him and it may be helping somebody else in the process. So we can be generous with what God has given to us. Now prayer. <laughs> prayer, I... It, I don't know if I'm the only one here, but I feel like prayer has got to be one of the most difficult spiritual disciplines that there are. See, giving, you can measure. Fasting, you can measure. 
How long has it been? All those different things. But prayer is one of those things that it's not easy to measure, so we end up asking ourselves a bunch of questions when it comes to prayer, like, am I praying enough? Or how often should I pray? Or how do I pray? Is there a certain way to pray? Or what do I pray for? What if I'm not good at it? (laughs) What happens if I don't pray? Does it even matter if I pray? If Jesus knows what I need, then why do I need to do it? I mean, isn't God going to do what God's going to do because he does what's best? What why even bother? And with all those questions, let's let Jesus help us with the answers. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. In this next section, we look at verses uh, 5 through 8 today. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, and we're going to Talk about prayer, we should pray. Father, as we open your word here, we thank you for it and we pray that you would speak to us through it and that you would anoint my lips and my mind that the words that I speak would be from you and that we, our hearts and our ears and our minds would be open to what it is that you have in store for us right here and right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So let's break this down into to three different things. And I, I, I look at these three areas that Jesus talks about, and I'll just tell them where it is, and then we'll, we'll, we'll break them down. One, make sure that your motives are pure. We talked about that in giving, but it's also there in praying. Number two, make it personal, and number three, make it meaningful. Let's talk about those three areas. Jesus says that when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Remember, the hypocrites we talked about were actors, they, they were into theatrics. They, they would, many of them would use different masks as they would play different parts. And so Jesus is not talking about hypocrites being in the synagogue. <laughs> He's talking probably specifically about the scribes and the Pharisees that had been the demonstrators of the faith at the time and what the word says and how they interpreted the law and all those different things. And so as Jesus said, your righteousness must exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, and he goes on to talk about all the things that must be, and we can only do those things in Christ, we get into chapter 6 and we kind of see the, the, same, the same thing. He's, he's looking at what has been taught And he's pushing back against that because Jesus is the final authority here. And so he he looks at this and he says, don't be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Now you and I today, we we, we may have set times of prayer in your own life, but generally within our religion and our denomination, there are not set prayer times, but then there were set prayer times. And so there was the evening prayer, there was the morning prayer, and they would, they would, there were different times of the day that people would stop and they would pray. And most of the time this was done in the synagogue or in their homes, you know, where they stop and they pray and they kneel down and they'd face the direction that they were supposed to pray and they'd pray to, their, pray to Yahweh, they'd pray to their God. And, and, but the thing is, is that sometimes people wanted to be seen by other people. 
And so when it came close to being time for prayer, they're looking at the sun. They probably didn't have an Apple Watch back then. They're looking at the sun. They know kind of what time it is. They're knowing the time of day, right? And they're like, "Mm, I think I'll go to the market 15 minutes early. So they go down to the market. And they just happen to be in the marketplace or on the street corners during prayer time. So they stop. And they begin to pray, standing there in front of all the people so that other people can hear what it is that they're saying. So whether it's the marketplace or the the street corner, whatever the case is, they're timing it in a way. And maybe it's not always intentional, but they just happen to be there. And so they stop and they pray, and they pray in this public way. And Jesus says, don't pray so that other people can take notice of you. They want to be seen by others. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, you have, they have received their reward. So those people that are looking for people to acknowledge them as prayers, <laughs> they got it. They get that reward. Now if you don't pray in front of people, this is probably not much of a temptation for you. Like, for those of you that would never in a million years ever want to get in front of a church or in front of a group or small group or whatever the case is, you don't pray. You look at this saying, well, I don't have any problem with this. But I do. And those who get up front to pray probably do too. Because here's the thing. And if I'm just, I, I, I try to be so blunt, right? I don't want to look dumb. <laughs> like, if I'm going to get up and pray, in front of a group of people, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing, right? Let's just, be, let's just be honest for what it is. I know, and you know, that the people that are praying in front of other people, we tend to care a little too much what other people are hearing coming out of our mouth. And that's exactly what Jesus is warning against. So there has to be a heart check here. There has to be a motive check. Am I praying a prayer so that people will go, wow, he's a good prayer? (laughs) Or am I praying a prayer that I don't care what you think, I'm praying to my God and I care more what he thinks? Now we know that that's the right answer, but our heart can be so deceiving sometimes. And so while we would say, yeah, I'm praying for the right reasons or I have the right motive or whatever, I believe that we need to take a moment and really check and search our hearts. And really wonder. And I will tell you that as, as a pastor who prays in front of people, the temptation is there always. And I'd be lying to you if it wasn't there. That there, the temptation is there to want to have a prayer that others would consider a good prayer. And you guys are looking at me like, oh, our pastor is a Pharisee. <laughs> I'm just trying to be real with you. That this is a real thing that people struggle with. And whether you're a pastor, whether you're an elder, or whether you're a deacon or whoever you are, that if you pray in a Sabbath school class or you pray in a small group or you know what, you pray with your spouse or you pray with your family, if you are more concerned about what they are thinking or what they feel or whatever the case is about your prayer, then the motive is wrong. And that's what Jesus is warning against. You know, sometimes you pray to make a point. And so you pray with a message. Have you ever heard? Yeah, you know, oh yeah, you've heard that, right? The, the sermon prayers. You know, what's really bad is if it gets to the point where you're doing that at home and you say, Father, be with my spouse. They just don't get it. And they need you to come in and change them. 
Those, those types of prayers. Check our motives. You know, we, 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 and that's what Jesus is talking about. If we are only looking for the other person's approval, then guess what? We'll get our reward. But we are no closer or connected to the Father in heaven. And which would you rather? Which would I rather? I know what our answer is. So one of the, one of the things that we could pray while we're, Father, search my heart. Please, please expose anything in there that is trying to be people-pleasing and trying to, to make people impressed by me. Lord, would you transform it and just have this connection right here? One of the things about public prayer and, and congregational prayer is, is, is the hope and the, the, the whole, I, this sounds bad as use the word goal, <laughs> but the whole thing is we come together collectively as one. And we're coming together as one congregation, one group of people united as one before our God and before our Savior, before our, our Lord. And that is what it should be about. It's not about whether it's good or whether it's bad or whatever you want to label it. It's about connecting as one in unity. So Jesus says these things. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues that they may be seen by others. Jesus prayed out loud, didn't he? He prayed in front of people. Before he broke bread and fishes up, he prayed. Before Lazarus came out of the tomb, he prayed. People heard him, but the whole thing was not so that he could be seen by others. It was to always bring focus to what God was about to do. So he's not condemning public prayer. He's condemning a a prayer that is looking in the wrong places and the wrong motives. And so he says, but when you pray, go into your room. Shut the door and pray to your father who's in, he- in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So one of the best things that we could do is spend alone time with our God. So the first one was make sure your motives are pure. Well, the second one is make it personal. You and I, when I say go into your room and shut the door, we have no problem imagining that. But can you imagine being in an in Israelite home? <laughs> they didn't have rooms and doors. They had one big open place, right? And so they may have had like a little, uh, a little place to store stuff, but rarely did they have rooms and doors. So you walk in, remember, you put a light in the middle of the room and it lights up the whole house. That's what Jesus was talking about, being a, uh, a light to the community, right? And so as, as you, you look at that, Jesus is not just saying, go into your room and shut the door. Like you have to literally always go into a closet in secret. What he's, what he's really talking about is making it personal and making it intimate. That it's between you and him. And that when I pray, no one else needs to hear it. No one else needs it because it's just between us. I'm lifting up everything that's going on in my life and my heart to him. I'm praising him. I'm thanking him. I'm, I'm working through it. And it's just the two of us. I don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks. That's the beauty of it. That's what Jesus is saying. If you don't want that temptation, make sure that you're doing it. Here's the thing is I think that, that if we don't have a personal prayer life that's in secret, if you will, that connection, but you try to make a public prayer life or whatever in front of other people, there's a huge disconnect. There's something wrong there. Because the, the, the praying in front of other people should be an overflow 
of what you're doing in your own personal life. Do you see that? So he says to, to go into your room, to go into a, the secret place. Make it personal. And then he gets to this, this, this last part of it. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Many times we talk about uh, repetitiveness, repeating our prayers over and over and over, right? And we talk about, and, and there's, there's been all types of different uh, discussions and talk about making sure that you're not saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, like that in, in your prayers. And while I, I, I can definitely see that, I would also say that it could be something that maybe you just always say every time you pray. That maybe it's not the same thing over and over and over in the same prayer or in the same sentence, but what, what would it look like if you just said things out of habit? It was Sunday morning. Back in, in our, our old state, and one thing that's different about the state of, of Oklahoma, especially in Tulsa versus Billings, is there are so many more donut shops in Tulsa. Like, so many. Like, now I understand why Oklahoma is like one of the top obese states in this, the whole United States, because we love our donuts. Sunday morning, I'm grabbing my son, Grayson, he's like two, right? And I'm like, hey, let's, let's go. Right, let's go, let's go get something special. So we jump in the car and we drive just a block, you know, a couple blocks away and we pull into the, to the, to the parking lot there and we go in and there's nothing quite like opening the door to fresh, oh, you know, you guys know. I see it on you, you're like drooling already. <laughs> and so we go up and I tell Grayson that he gets to choose a donut and he chooses this shark, like the shape of a shark, and it's got all these frosting and gross stuff on it. And I'm just like, you know what? Just give me a classic old-fashioned, right? My, old, the, my oldness shows through. I would have gone with that when I was a kid, but man, I tell you, nothing beats a good old-fashioned donut. And so I get my old-fashioned. He gets his shark, and we go and we sit down at the table because we're going to sit. We're going to enjoy this. And I stop, and I say, okay, Grayson, let's pray. <laughs> Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this food. I ask that you bless it and nourish it to our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs> think about it. It'll hit you here in a second. I'm expecting Jesus to do a miracle. He's going to take this donut and he's going to make it nourish and strengthen my body. Fat and sugar and carbs and all these things. And he's going to make it strengthen me and nourish me. I know that there's no way a donut can do those things, but here I am praying something that I always have prayed before I eat and to a point that I did it without even thinking. I call this default mode. And if you've ever heard any of my podcasts, I talk about this a lot, but the default mode, this would be the default mode of prayer, right? When someone asks you, hey, would you pray for the food? Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, you go back into those, those things in your head to always pray the same thing that you've always prayed. And I couldn't tell you. I, mean, I remember when I, would, I was a kid and I would say, you know, thank you for this food. Help it to taste good. Amen, right? And that was, that was it. But then I heard someone else say, help it to strengthen our bodies. Oh, I like that. And then I heard someone else say, help it to nourish and strengthen our bodies. I like that too. So I, you know, collected it. So by the time I'm 12 years old, I'm praying, help it to nourish and strengthen our bodies. And so it didn't matter if I was eating donuts, pizza, you know, you name it, Taco Bell. Here I am praying that God would take it and work a miracle. But really, I wasn't asking him to do really anything. I was just going through the motions of default mode of prayer. And when I see what Jesus is saying here, while we may go and look at other religions and other way people do things and say things to say, avoid this, the the mantras, and avoid this repetitiveness, I would say that avoid the empty phrases. And and, and the way I say it is not that asking, I know what you're going to do today at lunchtime, you're going to totally rethink the way that you think about praying for your food. And maybe that's a good thing. And if you so choose to ask God to strengthen and nourish your bodies with the food, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not the point that I'm making. I think what Jesus is trying to say is make it meaningful. Stop and really think who you're talking to and what you're asking. Don't just say things because they sound good or because you've always said them. Because I know that sometimes we could, we could wake up in the morning and we could say the same prayer that we pray every single day. And we say it because it's something that we've always said. And at night, before we go to sleep, we pray the same thing because it's something that we've always prayed. What would it look like if you just stopped for a moment and didn't just go through motions and didn't just say the things that you've always said? But again, in your quiet time, your personal time, you stop to make that prayer meaningful. You really stop and you say, Lord, the food that you've placed before me really is a blessing and I want to thank you for that. Really ponder what it is to stop and to say, thank you, Lord, for being so, so good. Prayer is one of those things that sometimes we can be really intimidated by it. We don't really know what to say. We don't really know what to do. And so here are some things, some guidelines for you. You ready? Even when you don't know what to say, pray. When you feel too far away, pray. Even if you haven't prayed since last May, pray. I've run out of rhymes, but I want you to get the idea God loves to hear from you, his children. He loves that connection. And maybe you're like me sometimes, and you you have all these questions about prayer, like, what do I tell him? What What do I tell him? What do I say? I love what Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing says about this. He says, he invites us to take our trials to his sympathy our sorrows to his love, our wounds to his healing, our weakness to his strength, our emptiness to his fullness. Never has one been disappointed who came unto him.
They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Psalm 34, 5. So he invites you. What do I tell him? Bring your trials to him, your sorrows, your wounds, your weakness, your emptiness. You bring it to him. You bring everything to him. Well, what good will this do? As we make Christ our daily companion, daily companion, we shall feel that the powers of an unseen world are all around us. And by looking unto Jesus, we shall become assimilated to his image. By beholding, we become what? Changed. And the character is softened, refined, and ennobled for the heavenly kingdom. What good does it do? It does a whole lot of good, good in our own hearts and our own lives because the more we connect with him the more we we as our daily companion the more our hearts are changed and refined into his image so you sit there and go well what god's gonna do whatever he's gonna do what what good does it do it's a transformation in our lives in our hearts in our minds the change happens in us and you might even be thinking well this is just between me and him It doesn't matter whether I do it or not. She continues. By maintaining a connection with God, we shall be enabled to diffuse to others through our association with them the light, the peace, the serenity that rule in our hearts. The strength acquired in prayer to God, united with persevering effort in training the mind and thoughtfulness and caretaking, prepares one for daily duties and keeps the spirit in peace under all circumstances. So this idea that my connection with him not only transforms my life, but it flows out of me and transform and helps transform other people's lives. It makes a difference in other people. Can you just imagine for a second? I mean, just imagine that as you are praying and you spend time with God daily, he takes that edge that you have and he softens it, that anger, and he dissipates it. How do you think your family is going to appreciate that? Do you think that's going to make a difference in their lives? Not to always be walking on eggshells because of your edge, because of your anger, because they don't know how you're going to react to something? God is transforming your heart, changing you. It impacts others. So it absolutely makes a big deal. And, and here's, I love that, that last part, that when we are with him, he keeps the spirit in peace under all circumstances. Like when Jesus tells us that we don't be anxious about anything but pray over everything. And God protects us. He protects our hearts and our minds with his peace. And maybe you say, okay, pastor, I get it. Like the whole prayer thing is important and I should do it. But I, I just get frustrated because I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what to say. She has one more thing after that. If we draw near to God, he will put a word in our mouth to speak for him. Even praise unto his name. You see, prayer is not so much seeking to get something from God as it is seeking to be with God. Can I say that again? Prayer is not about seeking to get something from God. Prayer is about seeking to be with 
God. Oswald Chambers, you guys know that name, big, big prayer guy, right? He said that spiritual lust, have you ever thought about that, spiritual lust? I never really thought about that before. But here's, spiritual lust makes us demand an answer from God instead of seeking God who gives the answer. Spiritual lust makes us say, God, show me a sign. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Answer this prayer. Show me, show me, show me. Instead of, I'm seeking you, God. And whatever you choose to do after that, I'm okay with. So instead of seeking God for trying to get something, let's just seek God. The meaning of prayer is that we get a hold of God, not the answer that we're looking for. See, it's getting into a quiet place, lifting your eyes, your mind, your heart to him and experience his presence. To talk to him out loud or in your heart, to thank him for what he's done in your life, to praise him for his goodness, to tell him what's bothering you. I believe that if we follow the guidelines that Jesus lays out here, I don't think that we have to worry so much about being good at it. Just show up. Just show up. And I believe the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. You put yourself in a place, apart from distractions, away from your phone, in a quiet area, away from the TV, and you just sit in a quiet place. And you just lift up your eyes and your heart and you say, Lord, I have no idea what to say, but here I am. That right there is just the start. And it's the best start. Because you don't claim to know how to do it. You don't know everything you say. You are completely dependent on him to help you through this whole process. So we make sure that our motives are pure. We make it personal. And we make it meaningful. But the reality is, is we can't make it anything. (laughs) It's really the Holy Spirit that we set aside. He's leading us. He's drawing us. And so we sit and we kneel. We, we, whatever you, wherever you are, a quiet place in a chair, whatever it is. I want to encourage you this week, challenge you even this week to take some time every day Don't worry about how long. Don't worry about how to do all those things. Just take some time and come before God and say, God, here I am. Here I am. What do you want me to pray about? What would you have me pray? If you don't feel anything, you don't have an impression, you don't have anything, that's okay. You still showed up. And so you can say, Lord, I, I, I just, I thank you for hearing me today. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for calling me your child. Fill me with your spirit as I go out and I live this day. Just show up. I believe that as we ask, as we seek, and as we knock, Jesus says, he's there. Father in heaven, 
Lord, forgive us if we haven't talked to you in a while. Lord, as we have heard these words from from Jesus, we see that you're calling us into a closer walk with you. And sometimes we don't know how to do that. Sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't even know where to begin. And Lord, I can imagine that there's many of us in this very room that have those thoughts and those feelings. Lord, I just want to ask today that as my brothers and sisters in Christ approach you this week and they just show up, would you show up too? And would you reveal yourself to them? Maybe it's giving them peace about something. Maybe it's giving them affirmation or confirmation of who they are in you. I don't know how you will do that, but I just pray that you do. And that new uh, prayer lives and connections would start this week. So Lord, I thank you for checking our hearts and our motives, and I thank you for helping us to make it personal. And I pray that you would help us to make it meaningful, that your spirit would guide us and lead us every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.